Pastor Nick mentioned we are starting a new series, and, and um, <clears throat> I, love, I love this series for so many reasons, and we're calling it Words to Live By, and something you may never have thought of before, but have you noticed as a society, we don't memorize anymore? Anybody notice that? I mean, I feel really guilty about this, and honestly, doing this series, I'm changing at least this one thing in my life, but I realized and, and not too long ago, I don't even know my kids' phone numbers. You know what I mean? I have three children. They have phones, and they've had them for a while. I don't know their numbers. I've got them plugged into my phone, but I don't know them. And I got to thinking, well, what <clears throat> anymore, what have I memorized? I mean, of course, I got my own number memorized. You know, I occasionally have to give that out. I've got my wife's number memorized, and probably only because, I, I mean, she's had that same number for so long. And I can remember my, my home number from when I was a kid. Um, and then, uh, you know, I remember that 8675309. Do you anybody remember that? That number, yeah, I got that number memorized. Um, you know, I remember my address, right? Okay. Uh, I've got my social security number memorized. And <laughs> then it starts trailing off. Isn't that sad? And it's sad because it's not like I can't memorize. It's just I don't anymore. I mean, I don't need to, so I don't. And here's the saddest part about that is, think about this. As a kid, I memorized so many verses in the Bible, but I did it, honestly, because of competition. It wasn't because I was a devoted follower of Christ when I was eight. I mean, I was a Christian. I felt like I was committed to Christ, but it's not the same. It's not like me as an adult where I say, I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. What's one of the ways I can do that? And I could apply his word to my life. I, it's not like that, sadly. You know what Psalm 119.11 says, right? Right? I've hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. I mean, there's reason to put his word in our heart and mind. But honestly, I'm not sure when it was the last time I actually memorized a verse of scripture. Now, this, this thought, maybe it's never occurred to you. And, and living in America, I, I pray to God it would never happen. But it's happened in other countries. But can you imagine what, what would happen if every Bible that you had access to was gone? Now, I know probably a lot of you have Bibles at home and probably multiple Bibles. But what if, what if everyone was gone and you, you couldn't get to them? What if there was no way to access the Bible electronically, whether the computer or Internet or your phone? Or Do you ever wonder about that? I mean, how many verses could we as Christians kind of recompile and put together? I mean, how many would we have memorized? Or, or, or let's just say you were somewhere and you didn't have access to anything and someone wanted to know about... I mean, this hardly ever happens, but what if, what if somebody came up to you and they said, you're a Christian, and you said, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, well, and you, have a, you, you believe in the Bible, yeah, well, what does it say? Can you tell me any of the verses? What would you do? Have you ever had that experience? Well, here's what we're going to do. For, a, for the next four weeks, oh, no, eight weeks, eight weeks, for the next two months, what we're going to do is we're going to do ten different verses, and, and these are verses that we have compiled. I've been asking people, I've gone to college professors and pastors and you and and if you have some other suggestions, I, you, and if you made a really good case and they're not on my list, I, I could probably be, cons, uh, uh, yeah, you could probably convince me. I'm, I'm that kind of guy. If you have a better idea, I'm good. I'm open to it. So if you, if you have an idea versus maybe that we haven't included, but what we're going to do is, is I'm going to challenge you to actually memorize verses as a church. Now, I've had some people ask, well, what version? And I, and I understand that because I started learning verses in the King James, like most of you, and then uh, New International Version. But, but for the last quite a few years, I've been using the New Living Translation, and people ask me why. And the reason I use that translation is 
There's a lot of reasons. There's some theological reasons. But to me, it's a very clear, simple-to-understand translation. Now, when I, when I do study for sermons and Bible study on my own, I use a lot of different translations. But as far as my preaching, and typically that's the version I use. So that's the verse you'll see. But you can, you, you can memorize it in whatever version you want. That's not important to me. What's important to me is that you actually memorize these verses. Now, these first two we're going to do today. And you're thinking, two on the first day? Was anybody thinking that? Were any of you that student in class that said, is this going to be on the test? Were you that person? Well, this will be on the test, but we're starting off with two that I, I bet you you already know. So we're kind of making it easy. But, but it's not going to end there. I'm going to challenge you to remember these verses, and we're going to actually sweeten the deal, okay? <laughs> I'm sure you're sitting there thinking, what is this, kid's church? Well, whatever it takes, honestly. You know, I mean, I'm good with that. So, so next week, we'll have a couple memorization stations in the lobby. And if you can come up and quote these two verses... They'll give you a candy bar. Not, not like a, not, this is not Halloween. We're not talking about Liz. We're going to give you a real one, all right? Okay? Are you good with that? And for you non-chocolate people, we'll have an alternative. I don't understand you, but we'll have something for you. So, so that'll be next week. But it doesn't end there. By the end of these eight weeks, if you can memorize and quote all ten, all ten, then we'll give you a $10 gift card to someplace. Okay? You ready for this? Yeah. How many think you can do this? More importantly, how many of you see the value? That's what I really want to see. I want you to be so into this that you don't even stop here. That this memorization, it gets into your blood, it gets into your heart and your mind, and you start putting these scriptures deep in. So that the reason is whenever you need to recall them, they're there. They just come to you. You know, there's this one scripture there where uh, Jesus is talking. He says, don't worry when you're put on trial for what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will... What does it say? Bring back to your memory. But how can he bring back to your memory if it's not there? Now, of course, he's God. He could just drop stuff in there. But my point is, if it's there, it'll be accessible for you when you need it. And when you're in a crisis and you start thinking, God, what is going on? How can this be? Maybe Jeremiah 29, 11 pops in. And I know the plans I have for you, and they are for good and a future. He's going to bless you. He wants the best. Even as I prayed this morning, does anybody realize what verse I included in our prayer this morning? Anybody catch that? It's going to be one of our verses, but it was in there. It was Philippians 4, 6 to 8. It was in there. And that's why, because those verses are powerful. But today we're starting with something really easy. And maybe, maybe for some of you, um, you're, you're already thinking, ah, I can't memorize. I, I can memorize when I was a kid. And that's true. It's easier when you're younger, Right. They say that for, they, this is scary, and I'm not, trying to make, I'm not trying to give you an excuse, but they say by age five, you, you know, up till five, the amount of memorization and learning we do dwarfs what we do for the rest of our lives. Now, it doesn't have to stop. And honestly, no matter what age you are, you can start to relive these things and get them going. And you may need some other techniques. It does get harder. For some of us, we're going to read it over and over and over. Some of us, you need to hear it out loud. Some of us are going to maybe write it down. You keep writing it over and over and over, and you're going to get it. You know, it's always good to take a phrase at a time, or maybe, <clears throat> maybe you'll put it to music. In fact, we might sing a verse today. We'll see. Um, and then there's some apps for some of you that like using electronics in your phone or your, your, your tablet or computer. There's some really cool apps that, that actually help you memorize and play games with them. It's really cool. So, um, so anyway, you ready for these first verses? Anybody guess what the first one would be? 
It is. It's John 3.16. And the reason it's John 3.16 is this verse and the next one, they really go together and they encapsulate the entire gospel. Honestly, this tells the whole story right here. If you didn't know any other verse, these two verses would tell you the story. For this, and this is the New Living Translation, so it may not be as familiar as the way you memorized it. In fact, every time I look at this and read it, my mind keeps wanting to put the other words in. So don't let that be a hang-up. Memorize it wherever you want. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then going along with it is John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. What you may never have realized is is why or where that John 3.16 came about. It's kind of an interesting story because at this time, Jesus was kind of in the middle beginning of his ministry. And he'd already turned Jerusalem upside down. He already had the religious establishment back on their heels. And they were thinking, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Where did he go to school? Because he's got all these people following him. He's got masses and masses of people. And and the most of the religious rulers at the time, they didn't have anything like that. They had to demand respect. But Jesus got respect without even trying. And as the people would listen, they would say things like this. It's recorded in the Gospels where it would say things like this. He speaks like one with authority. They didn't say this, but like he wrote it, maybe. Like maybe he was speaking from something he knew from the beginning, yeah. Or, or maybe because he was God incarnate and he was here on earth, he knew exactly what it meant. And they also, well, I'm sure what they found is, is his speaking style was so different because he came with life and energy. And what he was doing was pointing out that the gospel and that God himself was accessible to the normal man. He, he was somebody who was changing everything as he went those religious rulers they were threatened the people were flocking to him his teaching was fresh and new he was approachable think about what jesus did the way it worked before is you had to come to the teachers what did jesus do he went to them and who did he go to did he just go to the wealthy no in fact he went to the common person over and over and over that changed everything It was so dramatically different. Not only that, he kept challenging these religious rulers and their assumptions and what they thought and what they talked about, mainly because he knew God himself and he was reintroducing God to the people. (laughs) Something else, though, he kept doing these miracles. And so he would teach these things and then he would heal people, everybody. I mean, there's times in scripture where he literally says he healed everybody. Can you imagine what that would be like? If Jesus would go, go maybe, maybe just down the street and maybe he would go you know, to the hospital and every single person would walk out healed. Would you believe what he said after that? I mean, it definitely validated everything he taught because it was true and because it was real. So this man comes to Jesus at night and scripture tells us his name is Nicodemus and he's part of the ruling council. Now, just so you understand, this is the ruling council that later sentenced Jesus to death. He was part of that group. And the Bible says he comes after dark. It's night. And a lot of people, they wonder, why did he come at night? Did he come at night because he was embarrassed to be seen with Jesus? Or he didn't want everybody to know maybe he was maybe a Christ follower? Maybe. That could be. On the other hand, it could have been that because Jesus was so popular... 
And everywhere he went, there was a crush of people that maybe he just, that was the only time he could get Jesus alone. It's hard to know. And from the way he talks to Jesus, it's interesting too, because maybe he just wanted a safe place to ask questions. You ever felt like that? That maybe it wasn't safe to question? Because sometimes in church, I know that, you know, it's, it's almost like it's off limits to have a question. But one thing you need to know is for Jesus, it's okay. You can ask him questions. You can be confused. In fact, I really believe that asking good questions leads to better answers and deeper faith. It's a healthy process. It's a good thing. So he comes to Jesus at night and he says to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Now look what he does. He is a religious ruler and he calls Jesus Rabbi. What Rabbi means is teacher. Now some skeptics have said he was being sarcastic. I don't think he was. Because what he follows up with, and he says, we know you're from God because of the mighty works you do. And so he says, he goes, no one could, be, or could do these things unless God was with him. So then Jesus takes what he says, and he already knows what he's really asking. And he lays down something. He says something to Nicodemus that blows him away. He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is so confused because he thinks of it in the literal sense. And he says, he literally says this. And if, I apologize if this is too graphic. He says, how can I get back in my mother's womb and be born again? I mean, he's confused, right? And Jesus says, it's not just human, but you need to be born of the spirit. He's trying to get Nicodemus, who knows the Old Testament, to see that to have a relationship with God is a spiritual thing. It's not just about following rules, but it's about giving your heart to him. It's not just about your outer appearance and your behavior, but your heart. What motivates your behavior? What motivates your words? So he goes deeper and deeper and deeper than that. And then he adds to it, and he says something that was really confusing to people who don't know Old Testament history. But he says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I be lifted up. Now, here's the thing. Nicodemus would have totally understood what he meant by the serpent in the wilderness. In case you never know that story, it's a story of of in the Old Testament, what had happened was as the people were leaving Egypt and on their way ultimately to the promised land, they kept disobeying God over and over and over. And in one of those instances as punishment, God had allowed these snakes to be biting them. And the only way that they could be healed is if if they they made this bronze image of a snake and they lifted it up. And if the people looked at it, then they were healed. Think about the imagery that Jesus is giving him. Jesus hasn't been crucified yet, although we know that's coming. But what Jesus was saying is, I'm going to be lifted up like that serpent and you need to look to me. Now, that was revolutionary. Because what he was saying is, it's not about following all these rules. It's looking to me. Jesus said, look to me. So then we get to the scripture because what he says is, wait a minute, I'm confused. How can this be? But what he's telling him is, you can't get there on your own. You need to look to me. See, here's the thing. We're the ones that do the wrong, and yet God comes and he brings his son, and his son is the answer. He provides the answer with his son. You can't get there by yourself. You can't earn it by yourself. You can't ever be good enough. Nicodemus says, how can it be? 
And this is where Jesus gives him this verse. Can we say it together? A little memorization thing. Ready? On three. Is that like after three or on the three? I know it's confusing. Let's do it on three. One, two, four. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I don't, know, I don't know about you. It's hard to even visualize what's going on here. I'm sure Nicodemus, his head was just exploding. I'm sure. Now, we've heard this verse so many times that it just rolls off our tongues and we don't even think about it. But for Nicodemus, he would have been hearing it for the very first time and put it together with the other things that Jesus said. You, have to, you can't be just born of water, which would be human birth, but you have to also be born of the Spirit. Then he says... I'm going to be lifted up as salvation like the serpent in the desert. And then he says, for God, who he understood who God was, loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He may have pointed at himself at this point, his one and only son, that whoever believes, I'm quoting it in a different version, believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That was mind blowing. That was unbelievable. I'm sure Nicodemus said, wait, wait a minute. You mean it's not following all these rules? It's following you? This is what you're saying? You are the salvation? And Jesus is literally telling him, yes, it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one. How can this be? Let's break it down for a minute. Let's take, break it down for a minute. For this is how God loved. You know what it is? What, what Jesus was trying to communicate to him is the, the, the fullness of this idea. God himself is love. God is love. I know, I know you are loving people. As a group, you're loving. And I bet you, even as I say that, you're thinking, well, I know people who are way more loving than me. And I do too. I know people who are just so loving. It's, just, it's like you, you can't wait to be around them. You just feel good around them because they lo- they're loving. That's nothing compared to how God loves God loves because he is love. It's who he is. It's in his character. I was around someone uh, this week, and all I could think of as I was around them is the generosity. They're just generous. They give. In fact, they gave me something today. And I, I, I'm just blown away by the generosity. Imagine, though, you're around somebody, and their very nature itself is love. That's who God is. It's not like he tries to love. You know how you try to love somebody, right? Okay, let's be, I mean, we can be honest, right? You know people who are difficult to love, and you, 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 you almost like have to get yourself ready for it, and you know you're going to see them. Maybe it's a family event, maybe it's work, or maybe it's someplace, and you're like, all right, I, got, I can do this. I can be loving to this person today. God doesn't do that. He is love. It's who he is John, the, the same one who wrote this verse we're looking at, in his books, he has got 1st, 2nd, 3rd John also. How many remember 1st John 4, 7, and 8? Remember we used to sing it? The King James Version? Yep. Pat's already going for it. Beloved, let us love one another. Remember that? For love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God. I don't hear anybody singing it. And knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Right? Am I the only one? <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Remember? Yeah. Okay. 
Well, that's not one of the verses, buddy. Sorry. <clears throat> but it doesn't stop there. That's 4, 7, and 8. The rest of that section says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. That What he's saying is God is love. If you don't know love, you don't know God. And he showed that by bringing his son. He says he made it manifest that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Work that into a sentence this week. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God is love. That's who he is. Notice the next thing he says. He goes, God loved the world. Jews didn't love the world. You realize that, right? And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be ethnic. They loved themselves. They felt like God loved us. We love each other. We don't have to love anybody else. When he said that, he said, I can imagine him. I I like to think, God, that Jesus talked with his hands, don't you? I mean, we don't see that a lot. You know, you watch these movies and it's just so inanimate. And the the guys that play Jesus sometimes are weird. But I don't see him like that. I see him talking like this. And as he's telling Nicodemus this says, he says, God loved the world. The world. Everybody. It's beautiful. The thought about this. It wasn't just the rich and the wealthy because that's what most of the Jews thought at the time. They thought if you you were rich and wealthy, it's because God loved you. And if you were rich and wealthy, that meant you were okay and you were good. And if you weren't, you weren't. But that's not what Jesus said. It's not if you were just worthy or popular or pretty or American or whatever. He loved the world as it is. In its fallen, broken state. You know, our, our world's in a mess today, and I get it. I know that. I'm aware of that. But it's no worse than it was in the first century. I mean, do you realize how broken and fallen the world was then too? I mean, all these gods that we see in the movies, and they actually believed in them then. I mean, it was a crazy, weird world. The selfishness you see in the world, people making their own rules. They knew there was a God and rejected him. Hmm. You can imagine. He loved them. Just like that. He loved them. So here's the deal. He makes the rules. We break the rules. Then he comes to save us and pay the price for us breaking the rules. Who does that? Only a God who loves. And who does he love? The world. And look what he does. He gives his one and only son. That phrase is really unique in the Greek, that one and only son. Did that rhyme? Unique in the Greek? No. First of all, he loves by giving. But look at what he does. He sets an example for us in how to love. He didn't just talk about loving. He loves by giving. And what does he give his one and only son? In in the Greek, that could be translated a few different ways. Most of us learned it only begotten, right? What that means is the only, only one that was born specially from him. You could also read it like this. One of a kind. Think of it like this, though. He didn't give a servant. He didn't give an angel. He didn't give an archangel. Who did he choose to give? He gave his most prized possession, his only, 
only son. He gave his child for his children. Think about this for a second. It says only. That's where that one, the way, the truth, and the life comes in. He's the only way. It's the only one. He made a way, and it's the only way. I love this. I don't know how often you do this, but I was reading some, some stuff I don't normally read, but this comes out of the 4th century. This is, so this is in the late, the 390s. St. John Christosom, he's the Archbishop of Constantinople. He wrote it this way. Listen to this carefully. He, the immortal, who is without beginning, the infinite majesty, purchased they who are but dust and ashes, full of 10,000 sins, who ungrateful have at times offended them, him, and these he loved. <laughs> Blows my mind. I know who I am, and I know I look at sometimes and I think, God, how could you love me again? And I fail and I think, God, why, why are you so forgiving and full of grace? Why? It's who he is. He loves and he wants relationship. And who does he do it for? Whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever. It's available to all. And this belief is different than a lot of times in our, in our modern 21st century world. We say believe, but it doesn't change any action. For them in this world, if you believed, the way you determined whether or not you believed is if your actions changed. So if you do believe, things change. You're different. It's like this. Believing is more than an intellectual agreement that Jesus is God. It's you believing it, and then because of that, you put your trust in him. Your trust in him to change your life and to do things different, to make it different from now on. And what does he say happens next? You have eternal life. I can't even fathom what that means. We're in this weird place where our kids are growing up and leaving home. <clears throat> it's a weird thing because you, you know it's going to happen, but then when it happens, you think, that just happened. I didn't even see it coming and it happened. I thought I knew, and then it's gone. I can't even imagine what eternity looks like. I mean, what could it possibly be? But here's the thing. I want you to think of it like this. When he gives you eternal life, it's basically like this. It's kind of you start it now, but it goes on forever. It's a relationship that begins now and never changes. It, it's, I'm going to give you some weak examples, but they're examples anyway. It, it's like when you have a child, your heart is connected to some. Somebody said that your children, it's like your heart lives outside your body or part of your heart, right? That never changes. They're your children forever. Or think of it like this. And I, I love this view, but... You know, when someone passes away and you're a Christian, basically what happens is you just change addresses. You're, that same relationship with you, have, you have with Jesus now, it, you started it then, but it's going on now, and it just, you just change addresses, and now you're continuing in heaven with him. Let me give you another example. <laughs> so, ready? Kind of like when a baby's born. Once that baby is conceived, that's a brand new human individual. Brand new, unique individual and what happens at birth they just change dress right it's still the same baby that was there but i mean we call it a baby we see it as a baby i know there's there are a couple of ladies with that are pregnant now and you know how it is when you're ha you're about to have a baby and maybe it's mother's day or father's day and people say well you're already a father because you are the baby just changes addresses right 
what dresses? <laughs> yeah, it starts wearing dresses, right. So what? So what about all this? What about this verse? Here's what it means. If this is true and God is love and he came for you like this, it means that you can trust him. When, when we close a worship time right there and it was talking about the fear and that, that our, our tr- fear trembles at the presence of Jesus, this is what this means. That's the implication of it. The fact is, if you can know him like this, then you can trust him. If this is all true, you can trust him with your problems, with your joys, with your loves, with your failures, with the things that you worry about, with everything that's on your mind. You can actually trust him with your losses, with your gains, with your future, with your past. Everything in your life, you can actually rest in him. And if God is like that, the kind of God that you would give like that, then we can love him back. Not because we're going to get something out of him, but simply because he loved us, we love him back. I don't know how you couldn't. I don't know how you could look at that kind of love and that kind of sacrifice and not be drawn to him. Not want to know him more. Not want to trust him with everything that you have. He gave so much. Think about what he gave. His son. I mean, Jesus left glory. He left all of that perfection to come to earth and be born as a helpless baby, a human baby. I know it's weird to think about that that Jesus himself would have to have his diaper changed and Jesus himself would have to be fed and he would have to learn to walk. I mean, think about that. Not to mention the fact that then he he would come to his own. And as the scripture says, he came unto his own, but they didn't receive him. But to everyone who has received him, what is that verse? You can become a child of God. He came to his own and he was rejected of men. <laughs> it's amazing. He gave so much. And then we struggle with the idea of a, of a tithe. And he gave so much and yet many times we place happiness as the highest thing. We don't even think about him. We, he gave so much and we expect to live lives without any hardship or any inconvenience. And He gave so much. I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like I should just fall before him at all the time, just in gratitude, unending gratitude. For me, I want to know him more. I want to I I have a relationship with him that goes beyond the superficial. I want to know him in the depth and the fullness. And think about this. He did all this while we were still in sin. You guys remember that one? Romans 5.8. And that while we we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did it while we were in sin. I love this thought, though. If this is all true, then eternity really does start now and it lasts forever. It's not just this passing thing that's going to change. The fact is, it's just going to get better and better. and We're going to know him more and more. And then ultimately, we will be with him and have a life eternal with him forever. What happens is we don't make choices and we don't live our lives in such a way that it's, it's something that we just live and, and we think it's going to end at some point. It literally, because we realize our life is eternal now, that life, every decision we make goes through that filter and changes. Everything changes. We receive it all by faith. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. Because I'm wondering if anybody in here Maybe you haven't started that life with him, but maybe you realize 
today that because of what he's done, that you can trust him. And he's somebody that you could put your faith in and your trust in. Anybody here like that? You've never really trusted him? Or maybe it's been a while and you want to set your trust in him. Anybody like that at all? And you'd raise your hand. We could pray with you. Anybody at all? Let me extend this out just a minute. I don't know if anybody in here is struggling right now. And maybe even as we prayed at the, at the worship time and we mentioned quite a few things, but there's things on your mind and you're thinking, Pastor Dennis, I hear what you're saying and I know he loves me like that, but I would just appreciate you praying one more time because I need that reassurance. Anybody here like that? And I just want to lift you up in prayer. I do see those hands and I, I, I feel that. Let's, let's just close this time in prayer right now. Father, I lift up every single one who just raised their hands. So overwhelmed by your, by your grace toward us, and I'm overwhelmed by all that you have done. And now we're going to ask you to do more, because you are that kind of God. You're good like that. And I pray that you would intervene in each of these situations that were represented by that raised hand, whatever they are. And I pray, God, that you would come in and you would make those things different, that you would change those things. I pray, God, that you would help us now to live in the reality that, that we are actually living eternal lives and someday we'll change a dress, but that's our reality. I pray, God, that you would help us to see that every day and live in incredible joy knowing that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you, if you are here today and maybe you've thought, I can't memorize. We'll give you a little tip. Um, and I appreciate a uh, little help with this. Somebody gave me this app, and it's been a lot of fun. This one's called Versus Memory App, and it, you can search it. What I did is if you, if you use the YouVersion Bible app, and you know I always put our notes on there, I put these links in the notes. You can literally click on those, or you could go to our church Facebook, and under the church Facebook today are all these links. But this, this one right here is, is really cool. The only downside is uh, it's free in King James, but if you want another version, you'd have to pay. It's kind of actually expensive for an app. It's like $6, which is unusual. But still, it's, I thought it was worth it. I did it. But uh, this, it has these memory games. It has, uh, you can listen to the verse over and over. It has this thing where as you're learning the verse, you can tap on the, you write, you tap on the first letter of the word, so it helps you memorize uh, there's a couple others. I don't have the pictures up on the screens, but there's another one called the Bible Memory App, and then uh, the another one called the Fighter Verses, which, again, you'd have to pay $3 for that one. But I want you to do this with me if you would stand. <clears throat> I appreciate you guys being here today. I hope as we work our way through these verses that you would be encouraged to not only memorize, but then to share these with as many people as you can think of. Um, Again, if you are going to be a volunteer with VBS, we ask that you would go to a quick meeting and lunch is provided as you leave. It'd be a room right there on your left. And if you're new here today and I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Christ and share this good news with everybody you can. Amen. God bless you today.